Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our last series of Shut the Culture Up. Michelle, what? Shut, 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 shut up the culture. (laughs) Well, thanks for continuing with our series. Obviously, we are an HR podcast for businesses. And today we're here with our special guest, Olivia. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Excited to be back again. It's like I never left. I know. This is like, how many times now you might as well work here? You know what? A mom of twins, I'll make time for you guys any day. You're welcome. Nice. (laughs) I love it. So we are here. My name's Maria. I'm here with my business partner, Michelle, and special guest, Olivia. And today's episode, we're focusing on a letter from one of our clients and one of our listeners. So... Dear Abby... Yeah, it's like a Dear Abby. We call it Dear Real Talk. So we'll play some wonderful music in the background and we will read off this message. So, Dear Real Talk, I'm wondering what advice you have on a toxic workplace environment, specifically in HR. There could always be more resources for HR, but what do you do when the toxic work culture comes from your own team? So, Olivia, how would you help our listeners respond to that when you have a toxic work environment, but it's also in the HR department? Oh, man, that is a little question. So are we having challenges with the leadership or are we having challenges with the team that we hired? So your peers, our listeners are having toxicity amongst their team. So peers and all across the HR department. I mean, honestly, you would have to, you know, have one-on-one conversations with your team and understand like, why are we having such a disconnect, right? Where is the challenge coming from where there is this problem where there's that negativity coming within your team? So it could be that you have teammates that aren't getting along that maybe there's a project that they're working on. There's this power tripping. It's really more analyzing and asking those whys of what's happening to really understand it before you decide that you need to build a new team, you know? I I don't know if managers always are aware of what's going on amongst their team or the toxicity. I'll tell you, I had, I worked at a company where literally I worked with a peer and she was super controlling. She wouldn't even give me the key to the filing room for employee files. Would you quit talking about me when I'm in the room? <laughs> I would have stepped on you if I if it was. I know you would have. <laughs> but she literally, drop kicked you. She right? probably would have drop kicked me. Yes. So I literally had this issue, right? Working at a company where literally in HR, it was toxic working with other people, and it was horrible working with this one person. And I won't call out her name although she lives in the Midwest, but so many challenges there. And it was so ridiculous working with her. And then anytime I escalated up to my boss, he literally thought she was the best thing since sliced bread and she could do no harm. It was ridiculous. I think we've all at some point worked with someone like that in a company. And I know, Michelle, you are eager to tell your story. No, I was actually just going to say, does her name rhyme with candy? Uh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> but we all know about that one too, right? We sh- we need to talk through that. You know, it's it's funny. This is um this is a hard one, especially depending on where you come from from an HR perspective, because I've been in so many HR cultures at this point where there are HR teams that sort of feel like they're the exception to all of the rules and they get to operate in their own little world because they make all of the policies and procedures. And and there I mean there've been a lot of times that I've struggled particularly in a learning and development function, you know, how do how do you have the nerve to stand up in front of other leaders and say, here's what good leadership looks like, and yet that leadership doesn't even happen within your own teams. So um, it is one of those places. And I think that the part of the problem is that you are you are literally, quite literally between a rock and a hard place. Because if you were operations or finance or sales and you had a toxic work culture and you couldn't go to your boss, the answer would be go to HR, right? Because we get to be that neutral resource that helps to navigate that process. So when you are the problem, who saves you? Can I just tell you, we worked at a company together where we went to HR and HR supported the manager and started firing people in retaliation. You know, it's funny how companies say that stuff doesn't exist, right? That there'll be no retaliation, Mm. but the rumors happen and people learn. Yeah. People are afraid to speak up because of past experiences, right? So, or what they've observed. So let's be honest, like, is there really anti-retaliation policies or, you know, what type of culture are you putting in place to help with that kind of processes? But I know you both used to work at, well, maybe one of you or some sort of industry and you guys had some interesting HR dynamics there. We did. We did. Um, You know, it's funny how things are different. And it's even within the same leader, how changes within their leadership can change your perspective of that leadership as well. Olivia and I worked at a company, very first organization I'd ever worked for, where our organizational health survey, HR had the lowest survey score of virtually the entire organization. Um, And I've never been in that situation where HR was seen internally as the the least effective, collaborative, and open environment. Yeah, it definitely was eye-opening. Freshly six months into a new job, you know, talking about this culture and everything's great, blah, blah, blah. And then you get your employee survey back and then you're like, oh my God, we suck. You know, (laughs) you're the worst in the entire company and we're supposed to be for the people. And that was fucking eye opening. I'm sorry. It's okay. We can say that. We can say (laughs) it was fucking eye opening. And as a new hire, like I just left a company where I was so tired of people's ego getting in the way. And now you just sold me a bill of goods to be part of this new company. You're doing the same fucking thing. Why is that? And the fact is now, oh my gosh, let's talk about the restructuring now too. Like 
oh, we have to change the teams and see how this works. But you're not even giving time for that to mature and actually work. You're restructuring after every eight months. And that's crazy to me to understand, like, that's why you're getting these low scores, because now morale is in the toilet. You're letting people go. You're bringing people on. There's so much uncertainty in that team that you don't even, you, you, you can't even put your 110% into it to be the best performer because you don't want to, you're looking for other avenues at that point, you know? So Did everybody feel that way. Like it was a, was it just crazy? I would say a handful. Yes. Yeah. A handful of people. And you know, that's not going to be publicly known. That's more on this, on the sidebar where you're having these conversations, but it's kind of like, let's just be candid. Most people are like, WTF, like, do I hang out here and hope that this all works out? Or do I start putting my face somewhere else in my application and hope that something hits, you know? And that's sad. I was in the company for six months. And now you're telling me that this is the environment, this is the culture. And there's people who don't want to be part of that anymore. And that's half your team. And that's sad. And, you know, it's funny, I think even in those situations, there are some things that leaders can do to be honest and upfront and as transparent as possible. And leaders just don't do that. And I I struggle with understanding why leaders aren't comfortable saying, you know, I can't tell you everything right now. What I can tell you is we've made some bad choices in the past. And this new thing we're hoping can get us out of that place. I mean, there are ways that you can be transparent even without disclosing all of the details. And leaders, whether it's that they struggle with admitting, it could be that ego thing, struggle with admitting that there's some fault that we own. But whatever that is, it what it does is it continues to build that cycle. You know, it's funny. Recently, I had an opportunity um, in uh, the company that I work for or work with currently to discuss something that I experienced when I worked for Kinko's and for FedEx. And what I was trying to get them to understand is this cycle that you get into if you don't stop it right away. And so I always use the example of between 1998, yes, I'm old, I realize it, um, (laughs) until FedEx bought Kinko's around 2004, right? And so prior to that, Kinko's was owned by, by an investment organization. And I try not to beat them up, even though they were horrible as an owner. And at the time, I really beat them up because they were atrocious. But they did what investment companies do. They bought something, they tried to strip it down so that when they sold it off or went public with it, they would make a, a huge chunk of money. And they did when they sold Kinko's to FedEx. But as a result of that, what happened in that time that they owned us was just horrible. Um, you know, payroll was really slow. They fired all resources, like we had very few HR, and we've talked about that on a different podcast, how HR is the first to go, or training is the first to go, 
They fired all support, anything they could do to reduce overhead so that it was a prettier package to sell. And the reason I'm saying this is because this weird, it's sort of like, um, I don't even know what analogy to use, but it's sort of like like a, a tornado funnel that kind of sucks in everything. So you had all these really frustrated people that went through the change. And then in 2004, FedEx started hiring new people, right? But they only heard the ugly stories. And so within months, all of these brand new employees were telling these stories as if they were their own. And I can remember as a trainer, I would have people sit in new hire classes and they would be like, well, in 1999, this is what we did. And I was like, dude, you were hired three days ago. <laughs> and that's sort of you know, like what you're talking about, Olivia, is these changes keep happening and these stories become part of the fabric of who you are as an organization. And those stories become everyone's story, whether they lived it or not. And that's where that frustration continues to build and build and you can't recover. Yeah. And then you make a good point. I think you lose buy-in at that point from your employees who are the fortunate ones to not be let go. And that's sad because you don't get that buy-in because now they're more worried. Like when's the next round of layoffs going to happen? Like, are you going to restructure six months from now? I mean, that was eye-opening coming from the front lines to retail, going to corporate America. And I'm working at the corporate office. I went through, I think a total of eight different restructurings and I was the lucky one. Like, that's crazy. Within a span of four years, that's a lot. And those are two separate companies. Yep. So it's like you leave a company to hope that there's some stability. And then they're playing you like you're a chess piece. And then they want that loyalty. At the end of the day, I don't blame the millennials for wanting to jump from company to company because they're like, fuck you. I'm not going to be a fucking number. Right. You tell me you're gonna you're gonna feed me and put me in a sleep pod. No, I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna do what I need to do, and I'm gonna move on. And you know what? Good for them. Fuck the corporations and their fucking culture and this fucking bullshit. You need to start taking care of your people. And what's more important is really understanding what is gonna help that work-life balance really be a part of that employee's culture. And I think that's where we miss the mark. You're so worried about those profits and all this accountability and all this crap, but you're not focusing on what the truly identifying the team that you're actually trying to build and what those values are. And there was a lot of F-bombs in that. So There I, were a I lot. Really, like, I'm not used to listening to those four-letter words. My apologies. Oh. It's all right. Um, Make sure those children aren't listening while we're going through that. I think you're supposed to say that before the F-bombs. You know what? That's how I roll. Fuck what it. can I say? Fuck it. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get back to our reader's question. Yeah. 
So how do we help our listener when they say, what do you do when the toxic work culture comes from your own team, right? So I have a peer, how do we help, you know, Susie or Johnny who are working with each other, right? Uh, How do we help that collaboration or the, the toxicity improve? Or I know in some of the cases, you know, we we've we've used some of our examples. People just left, but how do we like? I mean, some people just get so fed up. Like, how do we fix this problem? So I think there are layers, and Olivia kind of alluded to this at the beginning when she was asking a ton of follow questions. And I think we probably would need need to dig a little bit deeper to give great advice. But I would say layer one, and this one has helped me in multiple jobs that I've had. Find a friend, a confidant outside of your work environment who's going to be honest with you. Maria has been that for me at times. Olivia has been that for me at times where there have been moments where I've said, this is fucking nuts. I can't do it. And then you guys, because you're not going to placate me because that's who we are as friends, you're willing to come back with questions and help me identify what I might own or what I might need to do in the process. Um, So I would say that's step number one, is get someone outside of your work that is not just going to humor you, be like, oh yeah, they all suck. You should just leave, they all suck and you're amazing. Don't, Don't go to that friend because you're probably not gonna get the truth. So for me, that would be step number one is get somebody who will tell you what you own um, and what you might could do different. Because at the end of the day, you really only own how you react, not what the other person does. Two, I know I don't like that answer either. So I'm going to go with my answer number two. You ready? After you've done that and you realize that you are in fact not the fucking problem and they are. uh huh. I would say it's time to decide if the compromises you are, this is real, seriously, are the compromises you're having to make worth the impact to your value system? So I think you've got to get real if you are going to show up and fight it out, if you are going to compromise your values or if you're going to walk away. Because ultimately, all three of those choices are hard. It's probably time at that point to find a new team. So you're saying just walk away. I totally I think not assess, walk away. Assess, coach, reevaluate, and then last, the last step would be, hey, there's a lot of people who probably need the work, you know, like maybe it's time to reevaluate and like find them opportunities elsewhere. Why do I have to leave? You know what I mean? Why can't you leave? Why do I have to leave? You said I wasn't the problem. You said the team was the problem. I ain't leaving. What if I have a problem with you? Why do I have to leave? So that's a great, hey, that's a great point, right? So as a leader, am I adjusting my leadership style to my team? And that would come through that evaluation process. So maybe I would have to rehire a new set of team members. Maybe I could reevaluate and adjust my leadership style at that point. But if that's not the solution and it's not working, then maybe 
I made a bad hiring decision from the get-go. Interesting. So it's funny. Um, I walked away from a job once where in hindsight, I wish I had had the mental fortitude to fight more, to fight for what was right. Does that person rhyme with candy? Maybe. Um, I didn't feel like I was equipped with the knowledge or the resources that I needed to fight. I think that I've grown significantly over the years. One of my favorite phrases. And so when I go back to, you've got to decide if you're willing to compromise your values and deal with it. If you're willing to fight or you're going to walk away, you got to start there. Now I have to tell you, if you ever decide you're going to walk away, make your mark before you go. That's the one thing I would have done different. I wouldn't, I still would have left but I would have made kind of my stand, if you will, before I left. And now I'm empowered with some phrases that are a little less confrontational. One of my favorite phrases um, I learned, we do not make money on these folks from someone named Brene Brown. And she uses this phrase and I have used it a number of times since I saw her say this in a keynote address. She said, it's okay that you blank. It is no longer okay that you blank. And so the example she gave was, you know, somebody who gets really loud and irate in a meeting, maybe starts raising their voice or feels a little bit threatening. You can absolutely go with, you know what? It's okay that this bothers you. It is never okay that you talk to me like that again. And I think we need to empower people with those words. And so if you have that aggressive controlling teammate, you have got to put on your big fucking girl panties and you've got to say, it's totally okay that you're not comfortable letting this go because you've owned it forever. It will no longer be okay that you think you get to tell me how to do my job because we are peers you are not my boss. Let's be honest. Not everybody's confrontational. Some people actually fear confrontation. Do you want to live that way forever? Some people do. Some people live it, but they don't want to live it. True fight or flight. Yeah. So any other advice for our listener before we wrap up? Finish the bottle. That's the advice. (sighs) Finish the bottle. Finish your journey. All right. Well, hopefully, listener, that helps give you some insight into your options. And until next time, next month is a new theme. So stay tuned, everyone. Take care. Bye.